Welcome to Coffee and Cortisol, your PA podcast. I'm your host, David, and today I'm joined by... Sam, hi. And today we will be talking about what happens when you have a major setback in PA school and then what it's like to be a patient instead of the provider. Sit tight and we'll be right with you. Okay, so today I'm joined by uh, a new guest host, Sam, who is replacing Rosie just for the time being. So um, Sam, how are you today? Doing great. How are you? Good. Uh, Hanging in there. It's the weekend finally, so we're we're doing okay. But finals next week, so that's looming. Woohoo! Finals, final finals. Yeah, that's that's crazy. It's like I'll enjoy finals because it's done, but it's also a big hill to get up. Yeah, I'm kind of a nerd and love finals because it's just like you just get to put your head down and do it for a week. But so, like with regards to finals, I, I enjoy the push, like the big. You put all your effort into this one week and then you're done. I mean, yeah. if you had to do this in the middle of the semester, that would suck. But I feel like at the end, it's okay. Right. It's like the light at the end of the tunnel is there. Yes. Yes. Totally. That little carrot. So, yeah. um, Sam, as I do with all of our new guests, I kind of want you to tell me, um, like, how you got to PA school. Because I think everyone's journey is just a little different. Like, I haven't yeah. come into two people who have had the exact same route. So, start there. Okay, um, so I went to UC Santa Barbara, and I was like a general biology major. Um, I think I've always been pretty interested in healthcare, but when I started at UCSB, I was like not doing that well in my like cell developmental biology type classes. So you're struggling with cell bio? Yeah, I was like struggling in those like big intro classes and doing better in ecology and like plant science classes. So I kind of um, went that route for a little while. Like I volunteered in an aquarium and I was in like a botany lab and I went and studied abroad in Costa Rica. And that trip for me was kind of like, okay, am I going to do like conservation or am I going to do medicine? So I had um, like three months in Costa Rica and then a month in Ecuador and I knew I was going to be working in a hospital in Ecuador. And then I had like a two week, research project in the rainforest in Costa Rica and it was like okay which of those two things am I gonna enjoy more and there was definitely a moment where I was like sitting in the rainforest by myself like waiting for these birds and you've seen planet earth right yeah yeah so you know how they'll sit in those tents for like six to nine months like waiting for footage of an animal right and I was there for like one week and losing my mind and I was like okay I don't think I can do this as much as I love nature and all of that so okay so that was kind of like the dividing point for me. And then I kind of went full medicine after that. So do you speak Spanish? I mean, a little bit. Yeah. Better than, like but Piquito. yeah. Okay. You, you lose it if you don't for use sure. it, right? So, for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of the interesting thing with, with at least medicine. It, it's kind of a thankful job. Yeah. Like other jobs, like conservation is important, but you're just. Yeah. The thing you record too for planet Earth might end up getting cut. And then you're totally. like, well, I just wasted nine months of my life. You right, know? right. Medicine is like so gratifying in the immediate versus yeah. like a lot of those other things you can work your whole life and not really see direct results, which is hard, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so why PA? Like, how'd you get to PA? Yeah, so I think I went, as we all do, between like MD, PA, I looked at MP, I looked at just nursing, and I kind of settled on PA just because you have the option to do more surgery and it gives you all that flexibility. And I think like every doctor that I've ever worked with has been like, you should be a PA. Really? Yeah. Cause I've heard that too from other ones. Right. I could do it again. Yeah. If I could do it again, I wouldn't go to med school. Right. I hear that all the time. So 
well, I know so many docs that work like 0.6. So for those of you that don't know, usually in a hospital, you work like one to like 0 0.8, 0 0.75, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever percentage of full time that ends up being in 0.6 is, is like three, eight hour shifts a week. Yeah. And so like, they're not making doctor money. They're making PA money and they're working less, which is nice, but you know, it's, it's, um, the work-life balance I think is so much better totally. for us. And I, I don't care about research. I don't know. About no, not at all. <laughs> no, like, like I just don't enjoy it at all. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've bounced around through like a ton of specialties. And so I liked that I didn't have to like lock into one specialty right away. What specialties have you done? Um, so I <laughs> started in dentistry. That was my first job. Okay. I was a dental assistant. And no interest in dentistry at all? No. So I, um, I had like stacked my classes my senior year of college so that I only had two classes my last semester right and could start working. And I had a really good friend who was going to dental school and she was working in a dentistry office. And I was like, just get me in, right? Like get me a foot in the door. So I started working with her there, which was really cool. We got to do a lot. I like did dental x-rays and all that kind of stuff and assisted in a lot of procedures. Um, but was like, wow, I don't like dentistry at all. Um, I feel like gnarly things happen in the mouth. Yeah. Like you can see like some really nasty teeth. Feet too. Yeah. Like bravo to whoever does it, but some nasty feet. I know. And especially we were like low income dentistry and it was yeah. just like, it was rough sometimes. People would come in and get the rest of their teeth extracted, you know? So it was like Dang. not, um, definitely not my passion, but it did give me experience. And then I worked in a surgery center for almost a year. As an, cool. MA or? As an MA, okay. yeah. That was really cool. Um, and then a surgeon who worked at that surgery center was like, um, an ophthalmologist was like, hey, I'm hiring a new technician. Do you want to come work for me? And I jumped chip and went and worked for her for two years. So you did all the specialties that PAs pretty much can't do. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. they don't have uh, PAs for ophthalmology. Well, yeah. Because they have their own, they have their <laughs> they own. They have optometrists. Right. Right. And then dentistry, which, they, Not do they have anything? Dental hygienists, dental assistants. Right. Okay. So they have, but yeah. Yeah. But definitely not PAs. Okay. Right? And then surgery PAs, but not, Absolutely. not at the center that I was at. Okay. Um, yeah. And then I came up to the Bay Area and I worked for like a tech startup that did remote scribing for primary care. Right. Um, so my doctors were in New Mexico, which was really interesting. That was like via Google Glass feed. Wow, that's so incredible. Just, yeah, just a bizarre kind of intersection of technology and medicine. So the doctors wore the glasses? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was that um, an interesting way to see their interaction with patients? Do you like look back at that now and, and like picture what they were doing? Yeah, definitely. Okay. And like you listen to them, right? So just hearing them talk to patients over and over and over again sure. um, is really, I think, educational. I think that's the great thing about being a scribe, right, is you get kind of that doctor vernacular down in some ways. Yeah, I mean, there's certain things like erythematous, which um, for those of you who are listening, yeah. you may not know, but erythematous is redness. Yeah. I'm sorry, I have a lot of beeps going on in my computer right now. <laughs> um, but like erythematous, like what the hell does that mean? Right. Um, and that just, it just means redness and like, or papules or pustules or all these other things yeah. that I think at least help you get past that kind of bullshit of the initial part of school. Yeah. Like, and if you can make a chart too, like there are things they teach us to help us for clinical year, but once, if you have that done, like it's less things you have to focus on. So that's nice. Yeah. And it was super nice because since we're like in a basement, 
not in the doctor's office. We had like double screen and then you've got super nice. Yeah. The doctor feed on one screen and then like Google's up on the other. So they say something you're like, what, what is that? And then you're Googling it. And then I'm like, okay, okay. I know what's going on. And I'm like watching and listening. So it was definitely a good learning experience, but it was um, a lot of screen time. And I was like, wow, I really miss patient interaction. So again, went looking for another job and started working in ENT and that for two okay. years as an MA too. And was that the last thing you did? Before? That's the last thing I did, yeah. So how many years from graduating undergrad to PA school were you? I think five. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because that's, I mean, it's interesting too, to see like what people's uh, timelines are. Yeah. Because I was like five years out, Rosie's like 10. Yeah. John, I don't remember, but he was a couple years. Yeah. Um, also close to 10. Yeah. And it's, you know, just so... If you're one of those people out there who are at that, like, you know, you're just getting done with undergrad, like you have time and you totally. have time. Did you have to retake any classes? Um, I didn't, but I did have prerequisites that I took while I was working. Hmm. I also applied three times. So I think that, you know, in hindsight, I should have taken more time to not apply when I wasn't really ready. Like yeah. my application wasn't strong enough the first time I applied. Um, I think there's something to be said, though, about having the experience of applying. Yeah, for um, sure. Because looking back at my first personal statement versus my second one, yeah, um, just, you know, light years difference as totally. far as quality. Yeah. Um, and two, like, if you know somebody, like I knew a program director of another PA program who I like couldn't apply to because I didn't have genetics or something, but he reviewed it for me. I was like, oh, do this, do nice. that. Like, that'll help. Like, you just need to like, I don't care about this paragraph. So like, that was helpful. Yeah. But, um, and you can use your contacts. Don't be afraid to, to do that. No, definitely, like, reach out to anyone and everyone you can. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a grueling process, right? It is. And then, and then you know, you put in your application, and, like, even if – I'm sure you kind of felt, like, the first time, like, yeah, it might be a long shot because I felt that way. Yeah. And then – but you still start to get your hopes up. We are like, maybe one school let me, you know. Right. I was like, I want to do this, though. Right. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But yeah, I remember cold calling schools and being like, hey, these are my stats. Do you think I'm competitive? And people, oh, wow. people were just like, no. Really? <laughs> yeah, but I applied anyway. So I should have maybe like listened and waited. Were they big schools or? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. I think sometimes bigger schools are a little more strict on their requirements. Yeah. Like Duke isn't going to let you in with like maybe a subpar GPA. Where right. Like a smaller school may because... They're willing to look at other things. Where do you know to get through like probably a couple thousand applicants? What do they do to weed people out? Yeah, they're not you have to just have right like base criteria that they can just weed people on. Yeah, yeah. And then like it's expensive because you uh, you fill up you fill up CASPA and that's mm-hmm. like fifty bucks per school. At least it was when we did it. Yeah. And then you have to, a lot of these schools are like, hey, come to. Uh, uh, the, our website and fill that out again and then you pay us another <laughs> 50 bucks and it's like are you kidding me so like you apply to 10 schools that's a grant that's a yeah. lot of money when you make twenty thousand dollars a year yeah you i know? know it was crazy it's, it's crazy and i i think they have limited the number of schools you can apply to with really each cycle which is good in my opinion i think i saw like six to seven is the new limit oh that's that's i think that's helpful because with it being so easy with Caspa, like you could send out 15, 20, and then I did my first time. 15. Yeah, really? Wow, it was insane. Wow, that's nuts. Totally. I mean, but you have to do what you have to do. If you feel like you're at 15, you fit with, and I don't know, I don't see a problem with that, but like, yeah, 
compare that to 15, 20 years ago when you had to fill them all out by paper, like people are doing less <laughs> applications, you know? Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. Way like typewritering. <laughs> no, maybe that's that's like 30 years way ago. long ago. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and I, I remember one school specifically, I won't call them out, although whatever. Um, but they like had me fill out a form and staple a check to the form and just mail that in. Like it was like, what's your name? Where do you live? What's your like undergrad school and then you mail the 50 it was just a cash cow for them in literally that way. just collecting money yeah it was it's like ridiculous. at least have me write some you know personal statement you're not going to read yeah you know yeah. so uh for those of you who listened last week to episode seven with john which i recommend doing we talk about exercise and how that relates to life school uh and and uh you know just exercise itself but we uh john mentioned that he was a rock climber uh as well as a runner and um, Sam and Viet, who will, who you heard last episode in episode nine, um, he, uh, all these folks go rock climbing, and I eventually got roped into it as well. Uh-huh. Uh, pun, in, pun intended. <laughs> I didn't even like get it. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so Sam, you are you were rock climbing, right? I was. Yeah. And how did that end up Don't coming up for you? For me? Oh no. Yeah, I was definitely part of the climbing crew for a while. I think like I resonate with a lot of the stuff that John said about exercise being a good um, stress reliever. I'm big into biking too, as you know. Um, is climbing crew is that the actual term? Is that no? Oh, okay. I mean, we should. It right? sounds good. We should probably make t-shirts yeah, too. Yeah, sure. I think that for would sure. be a great idea. Right. Um, but anyway, I uh, yeah, I fell rock climbing. So I fell at the beginning of the semester, um, and it's so funny because we have been learning about all these like ankle injuries, right? So you land on your ankle, you hear a pop, it's painful, you can't bear weight. I was like, oh man, a sprain, brutal. This is going to be brutal. Right. And Um, what's one of the worst things you've heard about ankle sprains or or an ankle injury? The worst thing that I've heard? Well, what's something bad that can happen, like a bad outcome? I mean, for a sprain or that it's actually broken? Well, well, yeah, I mean like... (laughs) Like, so, so say you break your ankle, you sprain your ankle. Like what's a, 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 when we're looking at stuff and they're teaching us, they're teaching us about scary outcomes. Right, right, right. So if you have like a fracture of particular bones, you can have a vascular necrosis. And what is that? It's like the bone dies basically. The blood supply gets, so avascular, no, no no blood supply supply to the bone. So, okay, sorry, keep going. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I was like, man, this is going to suck. I had just done a really big bike ride and was like feeling like I could maybe do a triathlon the next couple months. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that was on the yeah. board. Okay. I know. I had one like that I was going to sign up for, but. Because you did, you did 50 miles on a bike? Right? 100. 100. Yeah. Even more impressive. Thank you. It was great. <laughs> it was great and terrible, but mostly it was great. Um, <laughs> and that was like two weeks prior. Right. Yeah. Right. And then we had this picnic on campus for our new students. So I like wrapped my foot up, went, went to the picnic. And then our ER professor was like, hmm, (laughs) where's your x-ray? And I was like, oh, I didn't get one. And she just, you know, said, interesting. And I took that to mean that I should probably get an x-ray, right? She's so so good at like giving you guilt trips on stuff. Yeah, yeah. She's so good at like not offering medical advice, but you know, she's like, you're being silly right now. (laughs) You should uh, go get your x-ray. Because they're not allowed to. The professor's like, don't ask us if you have a cold or not. Like just, we can't give you any information. No, right. Um, So anyway, so I went 
two days later, not the next day, because we went wine tasting, which was very important. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, right. That was <laughs> right? right. Okay. Wine I know. tasting was super fun. Went wine tasting, went out dancing. It was oh. my my birthday the next day, so I went and got an x-ray on my exactly. birthday. Right. And, like, looked at my x-rays and was like, huh, things look weird. And usually with a sprain, you have, like, an avulsion fracture is, like, worst case, right? An avulsion fracture is where, like, the ligament tears a piece of the bone off, gets so stressed it tears right. a little bit of the bone off. But I didn't see that, so I was like, okay, probably just a sprain. And we just took radiology or, like, x-ray study pretty yeah. much, uh, the semester before. Yeah. So you are like, well-versed in it. Right. Okay. Yeah. So then they call me on Monday, and they're like, you have a talus fracture. And I was like, oh, God, no. <laughs> That's not good. Um, but, man, it's been just, like, such an interesting process because I feel like I feel like when you're in a medical program and you have a medical condition, you – first of all, know so much more than the average patient. Second of all, don't know anything because you're still a student. student. Like, yeah. I don't know. I was like, hmm, I think this is right, but I don't really know. Yeah. And then also just, I think navigating the system can be so difficult. Yeah. And it's like kind of eye-opening in oh, a lot of ways. Oh, that's why I had us talk about that. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Yeah. Um, I always find it interesting when you can hear your doctor going through their review of systems. Yeah. And they're like, so have you had this or that? Because for right. those of you that don't know, we're trained to, when you're asking the patient their history, to uh, go through like, what's your head, what's going on with your head, what's going on with your heart, your lungs, your abdomen, like your musculoskeletal. And so like, it's interesting to hear them ask like the questions down the line. You're like, oh, I know what you're doing now. Yeah. They do it sneakily, at, you know, when you don't know, but. Right. You're yeah. kind of like, okay, I see where you're going with that. Like, <laughs> right. I thought about that too. <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they call me and they're like, you have a fracture. We need to send you to orthopedics. It took me like <sighs> 10 phone calls in a wow. week to get in with orthopedics. People told me I'm on Medi-Cal, which is also like really interesting. <laughs> another story for another time. I mean, it's in with this story basically, okay. but there's just like one hospital I can go to wow. in all of, you know, the area. So um, yeah, so getting in with them, it was like, you need a referral from your primary care and I don't have a primary care and just kidding. You have a broken bone. So obviously we can see you. And I was like, okay, so what's going on here? And Taylor's fracture, what we've learned about it yep. is that you have a high risk of avascular necrosis. So I was like, I'm going to need a CT scan. I'm going to need all of this stuff. And I go in to see the orthopedist and he's like, yep, let's get a CT scan and let's, you need surgery. Like let's wow. get you in for surgery next, next week. Okay. So everything was like crazy fast. And at the same time I can't bear weight. I'm like on crutches, crutching around school. So nice. Um, and it's just like, I don't know. I think I've had a lot of thoughts about like just being in a less knowledgeable position and how you would advocate for yourself appropriately do you think if you wouldn't know what you know or like if if our emergency medicine provider or professor wouldn't have said anything do you think you would have just let that go yeah and just like I mean I think I think that I wouldn't have been able to walk on it for a long time and it probably like after a week of still not being able to bear weight I would have been like hmm I should probably get an x-ray right but it's hard to know yeah it's hard to know and especially like if I didn't have insurance wouldn't have gotten an x-ray for sure right and then you would have just you know your bone could have died and then like i mean that just it causes such a cascade Uh, of like bad outcomes right 
you know, you don't know that unless you're actually in it. That like, hey, that's bad. Yeah. You know, and that's that's crazy to think about. Yeah, and I think that like the stress of going through surgery and all of that, and like being when I had worked in the surgery center, right? I had taken people through pre-op, post-op so many times. You're probably like monotone speaking through it. So like, yeah, yeah you'll go to your room. You're gonna do, do this. this. Yeah. yeah. Do you need to go to the bathroom? Blah blah blah. But being in the other on the other side of it, I was like, wow. There's so much you can do to be super compassionate for people in this position because it is terrifying. And at one point my surgeon came out and was like, Hey, I need to like verbally consent you for this in case it happens, but there's a chance we're gonna have to saw through your fibula to get access to your talus. So in that case, I'll just replace both. And at this point it's like, I've been there for two hours. I've got IVs going and I'm by myself. Right. And like, I was like, okay, do whatever you have to do, I guess, wow. right? Like, what am I supposed to say? I want to come back another day? Like, no, this is already a nightmare schedule. Yeah. And then, like, he left, and I, like, started crying, and my nurse was so sweet. She just held my hand and was like, it's going to be fine. You're totally fine. And I think also being, like, in a county, I was in a county hospital. The guy in the bed next to me was clearly homeless and, like, had eaten a sandwich at 3 in the morning because someone gave it to him when he was supposed to be MPO, and it it was just like such an interesting experience and the nurses were so compassionate that the whole time I was like, wow, I want to be able to be like so objective and like treat people with the exact same care and be like present here, you know? Yeah. I think that's the interesting thing in the difference between like providers, like MDs, DOs, nurse practitioners or PAs is like, and nurses is like the, the level of time you get with your patients and like, that you know because in some ways we have to get our stuff done and we have to move on to the next thing like we're trained 15 minute appointments like get in get out you know it's sometimes hard to have compassion there and like everyone makes it through surgery for the most part it's pretty highly successful and you know especially in a young person so it's that's that's interesting that you got that perspective from the nurses and i I would agree with that i think yeah that that, um you know and always be nice to nurses because they'll be nice to you always (laughs) This is make the world go round. Right. Right. I mean, they're the ones doing the medical work. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, at least for most of it, like we will do procedures, we'll come up with ideas, but like nurses do the medical work. Yeah. And that's uh, super important. Yeah. 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 So overall crazy experience, I think like in terms of like making it good applicable lessons for people and providers, it's like, I think we need to be really, good and I think we have the opportunity to be be really good about this as PAs but just spending the time to make sure that people's expectations for like long-term care are appropriate like I think I was not prepared for how much pain I was going to be in or how difficult mobility was going to be for me or like I don't know just the different challenges that came along with things nobody ever asked me if I needed a handicap sticker to get in and out of my car or oh, what wow. my parking situation was like but I bet you if you were like 50 years old or had gray hair yeah. they'd be like oh yeah let's get you a sticker or if I I probably could have asked right but I just but do you like, know to didn't. ask right do yeah. you know to ask or like why is that not offered when you know I'm non-weight bearing and coming into every appointment by myself right um but then you got that sweet scooter I know it was a pretty cool scooter <laughs> I won't forget that Instagram of Annie just like scooting, scooting on down the hall. I know. They, Her roommate they loved it. was like, I, did they play a song with that too? I, so many people have taken the scooter to 
play a song. Um, yeah, I mean, like, and, like scoot down some hallway. Like they see me rolling, and like, yeah. like that always gets played, and like, yeah, it's just uh, funny. It's cool. It's handy. Yeah, yeah, and I think I mean the biggest thing. <laughs> it's handy. It's really embarrassing. Also, I like was getting coffee one day and straight fell on the scooter in the um, cafeteria. Oh no! And this woman was like, "Oh my god, was that my fault?" And like tried to help me up, and I was like, "Please leave me alone." <laughs> please don't help me uh but anyway I mean I think that like the biggest thing that people should be talking about right is like oh Sam you do all of this exercise like you're in school we've talked about that is this a stress management technique for you and like how are you going to deal with that when you can't move yeah that's a great question so how how did how has this like impacted your life like that really is a wrench thrown into routine like your coping mechanisms like so many things so so can you talk about that? Yeah. I mean, it literally changes everything, right? It's like you can't um, do any of the things that you used to do. And I think going from being active to being sedentary is always a really hard transition. Like, I'm sure I think a lot of us felt that when we first started school, right? We'd all been active in our jobs and then are just like sitting in class all day and like losing our minds. I remember the first time we did this uh, emergency medicine simulation where we, we did uh, uh, ultrasound. Yeah. And we're used to sitting like 8, 10, 12 hours a day. Even if you exercise, like, yeah. you're still sitting a lot. And I remember being like tired standing for like an hour. Totally. My legs. I was like, whoa. <laughs> when that's crazy. your job before, mm-hmm. you're up all the time and you don't even think of it. Yeah. And so that was kind of crazy to, to realize yeah. how sedentary we've become. Totally. But then also like to not even have the option is maddening in a that's lot of gotta ways. Be, I mean, too. you always want what you can't have. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, um, I don't know. I think it's like life doesn't stop just because you're in PA school, right? It's like you have the stress of school and that's like, you think that's going to be it, but it's not. There's always stuff that comes in, whether that's injury or illness or your family or whatever. It's like life continues outside of this. And so to like not have an outlet is really tough I think um yeah, it says it all the time like this is a ride that you get on that doesn't stop yeah and sometimes yeah. you want it to stop just for like a weekend <laughs> right right yeah or or just to deal with your other stuff like it's like it's like when you're on a roller coaster and it's kicking up you know to go to the big hill yeah and you're like actually I would get off right now if I could yeah and you're strapped in and you're not getting off that's, right. that's how it feels like. right Right, and, and then I you think... break your talus, and then <laughs> <laughs> and then you're in your bed for a month. Uh, um, but no, I mean, I think it was, and it's been really interesting. I was like, oh, I'm going to study all the time. No, I have not studied more than I usually did. I've just been like replacing my active time with other activities, uh, whether that's like movies or like I bought a ukulele to like try and do something productive with my time. I also but bought I a ukulele back. did you before school, and I I tried, but I just. Um, I need more structure. I can't just learn out of a like music book. Yeah, or like off YouTube. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. But just trying to be productive because I was like, wow, I recognize. And like, I think um, being under stress, you always like, wow, how's, how's my mental health? Like, I need to check in with this. Especially our program, we talk about mental health all the time. Um, so I was like, wow, I recognize that I'm in this place where like I've lost my coping mechanism and I don't know how I'm going to deal with all of this stress. So let me think of ways healthy, productive ways to do that. And I think that, I think that that's really important. Like when you come into PA school, you need like 
a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C for how things are going to go because sometimes everything just gets totally derailed. Yeah, and I've noticed that with sometimes even just studying, like I'm going to get through PowerPoints one, two, and three tonight, and you get through PowerPoint one. That's so and true. Your whole week is like messed up because yeah. uh, you just threw behind now, yeah. and then you have to be adaptable and like figure out how to adapt. Definitely, you have to just constantly, constantly adjust. So do you feel like with not exercising, your focus went down? Because that was a big topic we talked about in episode seven yeah. with John. Go back and listen if you want to. Um, <laughs> Self-plug. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so so do you feel, because I notice when I'm not running, I lose my focus and I have a hard time sitting still. Yeah. So what, what about you? Did you, do you feel like your focus dipped? Totally. Okay. Yeah, I think it totally dipped. Has Have you like recovered from that or is it just not as good as it was? No, I think I've recovered somewhat for sure. Um, in the beginning I was just like, man, this sucks. And like, I don't want to study. This makes it suck more. So, um, and like my brain is just not, it's all like jumbled, cluttered with all these thoughts that I don't have any way to process. But I think that, like I was saying, like as time has gone on, I've got better at finding like ways that I can de-stress that aren't exercise related. And as, as long as I take those de-stress times, it kind of works the same way. So what are your your methods? So I think some people who are either in school or about to maybe start, like what, what helps? Yeah, so I like to do really mindless things. And that, I mean, I think like that's one of the things with running, right? Is that it, it lets you be mindless. It lets you like turn your brain off. So I have a coloring book. So I'll color and like listen to music that I enjoy because I can't listen to all types of music when I study, obviously. Um, yeah, so, well- Sorry, just to like step off there for a minute. What kind of music do you listen to? While I study? Yeah. Um, I usually listen to like lo-fi yeah. electronic Same. beats. Same. Yeah. Yep. But then I like to listen to music with lyrics, but sometimes I can't. Or I listen to podcasts and I like to listen to podcasts oh, a lot while I exercise. So I kind of have like replaced that with like coloring or... Is it hard? Like by... Do you, you listen to podcasts while you study? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I'm just saying... I okay. used to while I exercise, and now that I'm not exercising, I'm yeah. like, I still want to listen to my podcast, right? So I've, I've been doing that a little bit. Okay. Um, the ukulele was great. It's That's been fun, but I'm not very good at it. Yeah, I could, <laughs> I could play Happy Birthday at my peak. Amazing. Yeah. Why haven't you pulled that out? <laughs> the whole year of birthdays, we haven't heard that once. My idea was, oh, yeah, I'll get this ukulele and I'll use that as a de-stressor in school. And then I realized, like, wow, I am uh, way too busy to buy something else. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't, it's not always super conducive. I know. I know. So, um, yeah, that's been really good. And I, like, I did some appointments with our, like, uh, student health uh, counseling services, which I think was good. Just talking about, like, you know that it is temporary injury is temporary and like, it's going to be okay. And just like managing my expectations for myself and like giving myself time to just kind of relax and like seeing it as a forced break that I can make into a positive thing. The, the seeing the counselor? No, being injured, just like oh, having oh, them oh. help, help me to like turn it into a positive. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point, too. A lot of schools, especially bigger schools, will have uh, health services mm-hmm. that you can go see a 
counselor at once, maybe like our school does 10 times, right? 10. Yeah. yeah 10 sessions like a year. Once a month. I know. Basically. And, and so be sure to take advantage of those services. I think those can really help, especially with like how hard school can be sometimes. Totally. Um, Ask for help. Yeah. 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 That's, that could be a whole nother topic. Cause I think some people drown, not literally, but drown in PA school yeah. um, and get left behind because they don't ask for help. Right. And there's no shame in, in failing because you are going to fail. I think that's something you need to be comfortable with. Yeah. And there's no shame in your plan A through C failing either. Right. And then you have to go back to the drawing board and that's, you can get help to do that. Because so. all you see is people get from point A to point B and you don't see like initially always what happens in between. Yeah. And then you don't see like, you think it's a straight line, but it's a zigzag. Nope, and, so much happens in between. <laughs> and then you talk to your classmates and you're like, how'd studying for that go? And you're like, that sucked. And you're like, wow, me too. Yeah. And it just, yeah, it's, uh, so don't be afraid of that. Yeah. But So we have to go study. It's finals week. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you for listening to Coffee and Cortisol, your PA podcast. This will be the last episode of the year, so hang tight and look forward to episode 10, which is our Q&A episode. Uh, this is also just a friendly reminder to keep sending in questions. Uh, we have a few already, but we'd always love more. Uh, there's, if there's questions you have, other people have them too, so don't be afraid to ask, and we'll try and get you the best answer we can. Thanks for listening, and have a great new year.